You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 284 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Today I have an important guest because I feel the number of new age frauds and plastic shamans are increasing by the hour. There is also a lack of respect for indigenous cultures and we need to balance the playing field a bit and that is why I have invited today's guest. My guest is Al Carroll. Al is an assistant professor of American, American Indian and Latin American history. Al is also a longtime activist and volunteer researcher for New Age frauds and plastic shamans. And this is an activist group of native people and their supporters, raising awareness about spiritual exploitation. Their site and forum, newagefraud.org, are for those concerned about the fraud, deceit, abuse and racism of the New Age movement and pseudo-shamans. They investigate and seek to warn the public about imposters and exploiters posing as native medicine people or elders. There are more than 200 imposters out there posing as Cherokee medicine people alone. Multiply that by 500 native nations in the US and add on the exploiters who abuse or lie about practices of Latin Americans, Indians. And you get an idea of the sheer massive scope of the problem. Personally, I can say that I almost monthly receive an email from some assistant to some white American woman claiming to be a shaman wanting to go on my podcast to promote her stupid books or native retreats. Even though... She is about as native as Hillary Clinton. Anyway, let's go to the source. Here is Al Carroll. So thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, sure. Can you tell uh, the listeners a bit about who you are uh, and what you do? Okay, uh, my name is Al Carroll. I am an associate professor of history at Northern Virginia Community College. I've been a professor there for... A little over 11 years. Uh, before that, I taught in Arizona. I taught in Texas. I taught in Indonesia as a Fulbright scholar. But what I'm probably best known for uh, is one of the founders of New Age Fraud Plastic Shamans. Uh, this is uh, a native advocacy group, a human rights group, a, a hate watch group uh, that has been around. We've been around a little bit over 20 years. Uh, and so uh, NAPS has been. Uh, we are there to provide warnings to the public uh, that if there is someone claiming to be a native healer, a native medicine man, uh, a native teacher or spiritual leader of any kind who is not what they claim, uh, we investigate when people ask us to. Uh, we put out warnings for the public because there are a huge number of frauds. There are a huge number of impersonators and outright con men. And in some cases, cult leaders uh, who have done enormous, enormous damage to Native people, Native traditions, uh, Native belief systems, and who have also damaged the relations between Native people and everybody who is not Native, who have given this very false impression of what we are, who we are, what we believe, 
and so that that's what we're there for. We're, we're uh, intended to be a watchdog group uh, that's doing the best we can to protect Native people and Native traditions from commercialization, imposters, con artists, abusers, frauds, exploiters, a long list. And there's this is a huge problem. Probably the majority of what you hear of what you hear or see on the internet uh, about Native religious beliefs or traditions, the majority of it is false. The majority of it has been put out by these imposters and con artists and impersonators. Uh, has been done for profit or to build a cult around themselves. Uh, and again, we've been doing this for twenty years. It probably will continue indefinitely. It probably will it will continue long long after I'm gone because there is still a need for it. One of the topics that we often talk about on the podcast is uh, indigenous cultures and shamanism. And for that reason, I often get a lot of requests from people claiming to be shamans to appear on the podcast. And th- and that's how I actually discovered uh, this uh, website that you have. First of all, the term shaman is a bit strange. But anyway, if we forget about that, y- you know, you I don't think you could be a shaman a- on a two-week course. Uh, so... Uh, I always uh, try to Google and try to investigate uh, their claim. It's like me saying I'm a surgeon, but I've never gone to uh, any formal education, you know. Yeah, and that is important. First of all, shaman is a term that's only used by the Siberian people, as far as I know. I mean, every every traditional culture around the world, they will have their own terms for it. And, but in in the U.S., at least, the most common term used by non-Native people is a medicine man. Um, you know, know, each individual people will have their own term in their own language for it. But I I would say that's a much closer, accurate description of of what, rather than shaman. Uh, You know, it's a term used by anthropologists, and I understand how anthropologists are using it. But, you know, for non-people not in academia, when they use that term for themselves, it is extremely problematic. And like you say, they are claiming to be these healers when they have seriously, when they have gone through courses that take a few weeks, or I've heard of cases where people claim to go through a one weekend course, where they literally have just, over the course of two days and about 10 hours, suddenly they're claiming to be an expert in a tradition. And as you say, it is as as ridiculous as claiming to be a surgeon, as ridiculous as claiming that you can do heart surgery after a few weeks training. Uh, You know, traditional healers, they go through decades sometimes. Sometimes they are still learning at the very end of their lives. Uh, It's an ongoing process of education, which takes them many years. And of course, they specialize the same way that doctors specialize. Uh, The Navajo, for example, I know that they have at least 30 different kinds of healers, at least. They have people who specialize in being diagnostic in a certain way, and they have others who specialize in healing one particular set of illnesses or doing one particular set of ceremonies for healing. Um, and so, you know, to claim that you can learn all these things so quickly is ridiculous and offensive. And I think it's only because outsiders know so little about Native belief systems and about Native traditions that they can get away with this. Uh, any nonsense you can imagine, somebody has tried to falsely claim it is Native or Indigenous. Uh, you have people out there claiming that the stories about Atlantis are native tradition, or astrology is native tradition, or tarot cards. Uh, there is, I think some time ago, I ran across someone who said that native people evolved from dolphins. 
uh, and then you get from the ridiculous, you get to the very dangerous. You can find pedophiles out there, people who abuse children, who are claiming this is part of Native tradition and therefore we can do it because we're imitating their spiritual tradition. Of course, this is incredibly offensive. Uh, I will say as a historian, I don't know of a single, I can't think of any culture where it's acceptable to abuse children, any culture in history. It's always incredibly intensely condemned uh, and very often harshly punished. And so it's just simply people finding something they want to be true and wanting to desperately believe it. And others who are willing to take advantage of that, uh, build a cult around themselves, uh, take advantage of, of their, you know, take their money. And in, in, a, in some cases, uh, there is a lot of sexual abuse going on. Uh, there, there are people, there was one man, I don't think he's operating anymore, uh, but he was around for some years. There was a man going around claiming to be the great-grandson of Geronimo. And one of the ceremonies he claimed was that he would remove your, this is the way he phrased it, he would remove your fear of being homosexual. And in order to do this, he would perform oral sex upon you. And he is claiming this is a traditional native healing. And of course, obviously, he was just abusing one person after another doing this. He was he was assaulting them. He was sexually assaulting them repeatedly under the guise of it being a ceremony. Uh, and he was basically being chased from one place to another. After people finally would wise up to him, he would have to flee from one place to another. You can find uh, any kind of nonsense, offensiveness, and abusiveness going on under it being the guise of a shaman or a healer or a medicine man. Uh, really, I think the simplest way to, for anybody, anybody who hears this, as a general rule of thumb, if you heard about it, it's almost, for, if you heard about it online, it probably is not true. And if you see somebody advertising it online, it is not true. These, these are all traditions which are basically kept within the communities. And outsiders would have a difficult time finding out about them. And it's also dangerous when, if you consider a person that needs healing, maybe it's psychological healing, and they go to a healer, uh, and that healer is not a proper healer, you know, that could be very bad for the so-called patient. Oh, there's there's a, a long list of harm that can be done. Like one of the most common ceremonies, which is in which there are fake versions or poorly trained versions of it being done, uh, in the U.S. and in Europe and other places, uh, when people want to do a sweat lodge, which is a tradition, you know, of many, especially the Plains tribes, uh, where where basically you're in this structure where you are sweating and there's prayer and there's song, uh, and, you know, and there's drumming, uh, but it's been done so poorly. There are there are at least a dozen cases of people who were dying, who have been killed uh, in these fake ceremonies where they were. They, they were put under a, a situation where the heat was too intense, where they were not allowed to leave, uh, where they had heart attacks, where they, uh, and even in the cases where they did not die, you know, they did not die from heart, heart attacks, dehydration, and other things. Uh, they, there are some people who have had psychotic episodes. There are some people who have been passed out and been sexually assaulted while they were passed out. Um, and as you say, people very often, you know, the, the people who go to them, I, I can't really find fault with them too much because they don't know any better. Uh, because there, there is so much false information out there and there is such a lack of accurate information out there. 
but yeah, they, they, I mean, if they, they're going to them for healing, they, they will very often wind up much worse off than when they started. Uh, they will come out of it confused and abused and taken advantage of and in, a, in some cases assaulted. And in some cases, uh, you know, they come out of it much poorer. You know, their bank account is empty. And, and, that is, and their, their intent of looking for spiritual meaning has also been abused. They have been spiritually abused on top of being psychologically abused, physically abused, financially abused. It's, they are worse off in almost every way possible. And I recognize what you said before. I've taken part in in many different indigenous ceremonies with real indigenous people, but also I've been rejected uh, because often, you know, they are protective and they don't know who you are or what your agenda is. And it takes a while to, you know, they have to get to know you or know what you stand for, or what your motives are. But Uh, for instance, I was not many years ago. I, I, I visited Navajo Nation, and I was I went into the Hopi area. This guy was showing me their, I think it was their sweat lodges and things, and I wanted him to tell me more about it and what they were doing in that out of interest. But he like refused to divulge any information, you know, which I respected. I mean, I understand. I'm sure uh, it's been stolen a lot in the past, you know. Yeah, I mean, there have even been a few cases of people who have married into a tribe, who have married somebody from the tribe just to find out what they could, and then suddenly they divorce them, and suddenly six months after the divorce, they are selling themselves as a healer online. Um, so yeah, it does. It is. There's quite a bit of abuse going on. So uh, and a, a, a long, well, really centuries of reason for mistrust, uh, centuries of reasons for native people to not trust outsiders, from. Even if you know the barest outline of Native history, you know about genocide, you know about land theft, you know about land loss and and death, mass deaths by disease and uh, being forcibly removed. And so you kind of have to wonder that if you, as a non-Native, go to meet Native people and say, please tell me your greatest secrets, it it, it should not surprise you that they're going to say, why should we trust you? Uh, because they have centuries of reason of learning the hard way. Uh, that that there are not that it really is you know you have to show by your actions that you can be trusted. In in the Amazon, it's fairly easy to see who is a part of a certain indigenous group or not because uh, it's still like uh, separated. But in America, in the U.S., the colonization has gone further than it has in the Amazon. So in in the in in the U.S., there's like a lot of indigenous or natives. They're like Americans, but way in the past they had natives, native relatives or whatever. And uh, is there a problem with those people because they could say that oh I'm native, but really it's their grandfather's grandfather's uh, sister's brother, you know that kind of thing. Is that a, a thing that that is abused a lot? It's it's comp. You're talking about native. What is native identity or what is individual tribal identity, which gets into a really It's an incredibly complicated thing because it's a combination of both descent and culture. Um, it's and so, uh, you know, you go to Latin America, and there are many people who are native ancestry who no longer identify as native. But in North America, where there was much more segregation, uh, where the law was, you know, that if uh, well, they used to call it the one sixteenth rule, 
that if you had one out of your 16 ancestors, one out of your 16 great-grandparents was not white, then legally you are not white. And so you get classified. Someone who had not had any contact with a native people or if they were black or Asian or whatever, uh, if they had not had any, if they had been intermarrying all this time, they were still considered not white, uh, you know, five or six generations down um, and, and and kept physically segregated and not legally allowed to be in certain places. Um, so you didn't see that in Latin America. Um, no, but I mean, I think what you're worried about in this case is that you will find some people who who their family has been intermarried for five generations or more, and then they do the family research and they, they discover they have some distant ancestry and they say, oh, I am, I am Lakota, Cherokee or whatever. And so therefore I have the right to do this. Uh, but they have no contact with that culture for five generations. And so they don't know anything beyond what they find in books or more often what they find online, which is not accurate. And so they're passing along that misinformation and they are, rather than trying to carry on the culture, they are carrying on a caricature, a stereotyped caricature of the culture. Um, and so uh, they are taking part in that spiritual colonization. And that's what I thought it would, would be difficult because you can't like say, oh, well, you're lying. You're not uh, Navajo if they say they are. Uh, you Because if they are, then if well maybe well then i then you trust that person so it's like it's a very smart thing for those kind of frauds to do i guess no, but the same thing is you can find frauds who are native ancestry who are entirely who may be 100% native ancestry and they could still be uh, exploiters they could still be con artists they could still be imposters uh because ancestry is not enough i mean obviously you're not born knowing how to be a healer it's something that is taught over over years and so you have people passing themselves off as a healer who are native ancestors who are entirely native but they're not healers I, I also traveled to england to give some speeches there and there was a man who was hosting me who was you know a, sympathetic to the cause who was hosting me there who was an englishman who was bright red hair very fair-skinned and we were setting up for the speech we were putting up you know flyers Uh, and someone there who wanted to to see the speech uh, talked to him, talked to this red-haired Englishman, and asked if he was native. You know, that's how little is known in parts of Europe uh, that that even this this very fair-skinned, red-haired man could be mistaken for native. Uh, but it's just that uh, there are actual native people. There have been native people coming to Europe as performers for over a hundred years. Uh, since the days of the Wild West shows of 130 years ago, uh, and very popular, very you know, there's been Germans, for example, who have a great interest because of the Karl May novels, and so which are incredibly in inaccurate for anybody who's read them. But they are, I mean, that there are some performers in Europe right now. I think there's, um, uh, I want to be be sure try to remember to get the name right. Uh, the Lame Deer family. There was. Um, John Fire Lame Deer was a famous medicine was a famous medicine man healer, and that his son Archie Lame Fire Lame Deer uh, came to Europe, and was an exploiter over in Europe, you know, making becoming very wealthy as an exploiter over in Europe. He was genuinely native, and from a family of traditional healers, but he had quit becoming a traditional healer. He was simply trying to make money any way he could, 
And then his son grew up over there and his son is still there. As far as I know, um, still making money off of exploiting people or se- selling these pretend versions of native ceremonies. Um, so you can find there, there's more, I'm sure there's more operators out there. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some in Italy and some in, uh, you know, in most of the, of the European countries over there, people who are actually native who are selling fake versions of ceremonies for profit. One thing that confused me when I was in the States, I mean, I knew that the term, the correct term would be native or indigenous, but I was so surprised that all the people I met that were native, they refer to themselves with the term Indian. So I got a bit confused and I was wondering, is is it used the same way as like, you know, how black people use the the, the derogatory term for, for them amongst themselves? Okay, well, the thing is the term uh, American Indian has been around for a couple hundred years at least. And and so it's just, uh, we've had more time to become accustomed to that term. And so what the term, the, the, it's very common that Native people refer to each other as Indian. And the way I've always heard it said is like there's no A in the word. You know, in, Instead of saying Indian, like for someone from India, you pronounce it Indian, like there's no A in the word. And online, you will see them actually using the three letters, N, D, N. And like, just like if you say the letters Indian. Uh, so it's just, uh, it is kind of an insider outsider thing. I think probably uh, if you're not native, you probably shouldn't call, uh, use the term Indian. Uh, but it, and it's not insulting the way it's being used. I don't think it's really, it's not offensive on the same level as the N word is for black people. Uh, there is a, a similar term. Uh, the old racist term for Native people was Redskin. Uh, and the Washington team, the Washington, D.C. football team until recently was called the Washington R-word. Uh, it's, and so what, what's, what a lot of young Native people have done, especially males, uh, they refer to themselves as skins. And so what they're doing, like, there's the same way that uh, black people in hip-hop very often, you know, hip-hop music have very often took, taken the N-word and said, we're not going to let it hurt us. We're going to call ourselves that as a way of saying, you can't make that word hurt us. And so I think these young Native males are doing the same thing when they call themselves skins. I don't think it works that well. I have a real problem with that. Uh, you know, I don't use that term. Uh, because again, I think when you use an insult for yourself, you make it easier for a racist to call you that. Um, because I don't think, you know, it's been 30, 40 years of, of, of blacks and hip hop using the, the N word to try and say, we're not going to let that hurt us anymore. And that hasn't changed racism at all as, as best I can tell. So I, I think it's a failed effort. And so I, I'm not part of that. Uh, you know, but I understand why they're doing it, but I disagree with it. So is there, there are many different, uh, native, uh, uh, groups in the United States, which one has like uh, managed to survive the most in terms of like their culture and history, and which one has had, had the worst ride? Oh, I think the, the thing is, is that the first Europeans landed on the East Coast, on the Atlantic Coast, and so that's where they got the worst violence. Uh, that in the eastern part of the U.S., uh, you know, it's there are large parts of it where where there, there are only relatively small numbers of native people. Like, uh, you know, you can find tribes 
in places like Massachusetts that, that the tribe might be 100 people, you know, or 300 people. Uh, and when the gold rush happened in California, the gold rush brought also a great, a big movement of people there to try and get the gold as quickly as they could. And they committed quite a bit of violence. And so in California also, the tribes are typically 100 people, 200, 300. Um, you know, where there was just this huge extermination effort that was a literal genocide, an outright genocide that wiped out 90% of the population in 15 years. Um, so those two places are where they have it the worst, where they have gone through the greatest loss of people, uh, the most attacks on the culture, where the people went into the hiding for the longest, uh, in probably where you have the greatest survival, uh, where you went, the Navajo is the largest tribe in the U.S. It is, um, and I think, I think they're numbering something like, like 300,000 people. And their their reservation, their nation, is the size of Denmark. Um, so that is a great case of survival. Uh, and within the Navajo Nation, you find the Hopi Nation, which is a separate people, just by simple isolation. Uh, they have managed to keep much of the culture very intact. Uh, I think those two peoples have probably also the highest language retention because one of the things that happened after the after Native people were physically forced onto reservations, those who had not been killed were forced onto reservations, and then came a, a government program to make them culturally white. Uh, and the, the, name for, the actual name for the program, this is the government's actual term for it, Kill the Indian, save the man. Sometimes called education for extinction. You know, just this cultural assimilation program, uh, which tried to remove the language, all the languages, remove the religions, and make them as culturally white as possible. Where the, the children were sent off to boarding schools, forbidden to speak the language, languages, forbidden to practice the religions, forbidden to take part in any of the cultures. And this went on for several generations, and it was disturbingly effective in wiping out 90% of Native people don't speak a Native language anymore. Uh, in some tribes, it's, it's like 99%. There might be 10 people that speak the language out of 300. Um, and so you know, that's where you know, uh, the Navajo and the Hopi have the most the highest amount of survivability of the culture, because for them, instead of 90% of the people not being able to speak the language, uh, about two thirds of them don't speak the language, about one third still do. So that's where you find the strongest cultural retention, those two peoples, I think. Yeah, I went up to one of the, the, the main mesa, I think it's called, where you see the view over the whole, uh, Hopi nation and everything around it. And it's, uh, it's quite amazing nature in that area, I must say. Yeah, Arizona is beautiful. I mean, I think, um, I mean, for anybody wanting to, I, I certainly strongly encourage tourism. I think, I think, uh, partly because then, you know, once the pandemic is over, uh, but one, you know, because the the peoples do need the tourism, they do need the tourist. Uh, tourism is a big source of income for quite a few reservations. I think, uh, you know, in Arizona, especially with the Grand Canyon and with a lot of the beautiful deserts there. Uh, 
and a lot of the great cultural sites, I strongly encourage people to go see them. It's one of those things that should be on your bucket list. Everybody should see that before they die. Maybe has it gone too far? Is it possible for let's say let's take now our nation as an ex- as a example? Is it possible for them to like leave United States, become their own complete thing, or is is it impossible? Or do they don't maybe they don't even want to? <laughs> I don't know. At, at this point, uh, there is not much of a desire for that. Um, uh, first of all, when when all of these peoples were were defeated by the military. Uh, that there was almost in most cases there were treaties that were signed and there were treaties of peace and friendship and treaties of of remaining allies. And the majority of native people would say that those treaties are worth preserving and continuing and, and we take them seriously and we take the obligations to them seriously. And so the, the, all of these, Native peoples would probably argue, the great majority of them, I, I think, would argue that uh, see themselves as nations within a nation. See themselves, I'm trying to think, I guess the be, might maybe the best comparison. If you think of the way that Monaco and its relationship with France, uh, it is a small nation and it is really dependent upon France for most things. But it is a separate nation within that larger, you know, with a relationship with a much larger nation, and so it's something similar, uh, except that there is much more of a cultural component uh, than in for native peoples because they're culturally very different from the United States. Uh, but yeah, I would say you know there's there's not really any kind of uh, independence effort uh, except for a very few people on the fringe. Uh, there is more determination to try to make. Native nations much more viable economically, socially, culturally, politically, everything. Uh, what, what's what's termed sovereignty, where you make themselves to where they are entirely viable on their own, but choosing to remain in a, a relationship with the U.S. What would you suggest that people do if they want to uh, take part in a, a ceremony, a native ceremony, to ensure that it's uh, correct or and also what they can do maybe to support native people. Uh, I think I think I would ask them to first first think about why they want that. Um, I mean why why would you want that? Why would uh, I'll make the comparison that that um in the US we have a large Jewish population. You're talking um you know many accomplished Jewish people, many admirable Jewish people, many who, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, um, you know, art and writers and, and, uh, you know, philosophers and thinkers of, of just, you know, an incredibly accomplished culture. And looking at that, is there any reason why I would want to go get, go through Jewish ceremony? Is there any reason I would need to go through a bar mitzvah? Is there, and this is the comparison I like to use most of all, is there any reason I would go through a circumcision? You know, is there any reason I would suddenly decide now is the time, you know, because I admire Jewish people, therefore I want to have my foreskin removed. And I'm using that comparison on purpose because if you go to somebody who is obviously not trained in that, you're you're putting yourself in a lot of danger. You know, but why would I want to do it anyway? It's perfectly possible to take part in Jewish culture, you know, uh, you know, watch something that's written by a Jewish writer, 
Um, you know, enjoy a Jewish stand-up comedian. Any number of things that will help you experience these admirable people and this admirable culture. And you don't have to take part in their religion, and it's not really meant for you anyway. Uh, I would say that you shouldn't be trying to go do this anyway, uh, because it makes no sense. It, it's it's something that's taken completely out of its cultural context if you're wanting to do it. Most people live in the city. Most people live this modern life. And I think uh, a lot of people see uh, that there is something with nature they want to connect with. And when they're looking for something to bring them closer to it, when you Google online and that, uh, correct or not correct, it doesn't matter. But what they see is that oh, native people, they have these kinds of ideas. It sounds more in tune with nature or connecting with nature. And I think that's why people are attracted to it. I think that's why people turn in that direction, if you know what I mean. Well, but I think it's perfectly possible to connect with nature without having to go through a native religious tradition. I mean, you can you can go hiking. You can take part in conservation efforts and environmentalism. Um, there's, you know, any number of ways you can commune with nature. You can have a relationship with the natural world around you without having to take part in uh, a religious tradition. So many ways you can connect with Uh, with the natural environment that don't involve these confused efforts, you know, to take, to abuse and misuse and misappropriate and impersonate native belief systems. Uh, so I think, I think you, you know, the idea that you want to be part of the natural environment and you want to have a relationship with, with the natural world and you want to treat the planet that we live on much better. Those are all noble things, but You don't need a ceremony for that. You just need to be a good person. What do you suggest for people if they want to support or uh, be an ally to in indigenous uh, uh, issues? What, what would you suggest they do? I would suggest looking online for uh, for native issue for native causes and native organizations, and taking part in petitions and and taking part in letter writing. Uh, taking part in protests if they if they happen to be around them somewhere, uh, that's a very good thing. You know, uh, certainly, um, you know, a civil rights or a human rights issue is something that that everybody that benefits everybody. It benefits me when black people are treated better. It benefits me when Asian people are treated better. It benefits fits me if if uh, if um, other religions such as Muslim or Jewish are being treated. We all benefit from that, and so. To get involved with each other's causes, certainly, to to stand with them, you know, to find out what's going on in the Amazon, you know, to write a protest to the Brazilian embassy. Those are all very noble things, and I, I certainly would encourage that. You know, that's the way you should connect with native people, not with, not with fake versions of ceremonies. And uh, can you uh, talk a bit about this website you have, where people can uh, send in questions or like. Uh whistleblow on somebody yeah it's it's um i'm involved with it it's not really mine I've, i've been involved with it for a long time uh there's you know there's four moderators and there are over three thousand members both native and not native so the site is newagefraud.org run by 
excuse me, run by New Age Frauds Plastic Shamans, uh, which has been around for over 20 years. Um, so you go to that website and there is an email address. You can send us questions or you can join up and and take part in the discussions and ask questions. Uh, and we can hear your concerns. Uh, if there is somebody who has who has taken advantage of you or that you are not sure about, uh, please report it to us and tell us what you know. Uh, if that is, if it has happened to someone close to you, please report it. Uh, you know, uh, if you know we investigate and we find out uh, what other harm have they done? Are they who they claim to be? And if if they have broken the law, we strongly urge you to have them prosecuted to the full extent of the law. If they have taken your money, we urge you to go to court. We urge you to sue them in court and get back what has been taken from you. So, and we also are very serious about the fact that we keep your information secret. We do not reveal your identity unless you choose to come forward. Uh, we take that very seriously. In more than 20 years, we have not broken confidence once. We are very, you know, very, very careful to never reveal the identity of anybody who comes to us because in some cases they do, ref they do fear retaliation. Uh, they do fear, fear harassment or assault or any number of, of harm that may come to them for because these are, in some cases, dangerous cults. Well, uh, thank you a lot for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, sure. I was glad to. Go to newagefraud.org if you want to find out more. I think you already know that this podcast is the cat's pajamas. That when listening to this podcast you feel totally lit. That you cannot deny that it is legit. The bee's knees, gravy noodles, packed, peachy. Sometimes even a complete clam slam. Now if you feel it as I do, why don't you become a patron and support the podcast? Go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. Stay woke, support. I want to close this episode with an awesome track recorded on a new instrument called the Ondophone, created by the genius Wintergatan. I suggest you check out this dude and his amazing marble machines. I'll uh, leave a link in the program notes. Now, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a nice review on iTunes and share it on social media. That really helps. Also, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel. Just search Natural Alchemist channel on YouTube and you'll easily find it. I'll leave a link in the program notes as well, as I always do. I haven't put out a lot of videos yet on my YouTube channel, but it's coming, trust me. Quality before quantity, I say. See you on the next one. Freedom is in the mind. <laughs>